Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, folks. Happy Monday. We are here. We are here to talk about some hockey, some rather um, impactful events occurred over, uh, well, Friday and over the weekend. Uh, some of the restricted free agents are beginning to trickle in. Thank God we don't have to talk about the Mitch Marner saga other than the aftermath of it today, and then it'll just be whatever he does on the ice. Uh, but we'll talk, we're going to talk about, uh, again, some seasonal bizarre food uh, out there and uh, the death of a couple rather notable musicians. Go ahead, Russ. All right, so let's talk about the musicians first. Uh, we'll start with um, Eddie Money because he passed first. Uh, interesting how a lot of people have a view of you that, well, if I only know a couple of songs, he didn't have a lot of good songs. And it's like, here's the thing about Eddie Money. Was he a superstar? No. No. But did he have a distinguishable voice? Mm -hmm. He sang it. You knew it was him. Yes. He was a Long Island guy. Maybe that's why I liked him a little more. I admit it. But he also was a New York City cop that turned himself into a singer. Yeah. He had some great hits. I know everybody knows two, two Tickets to Paradise, but Baby Hold On and Shaken. And, you know, when you really think about it, he's probably got eight really good songs. Five or six that are I would consider hits and very recognizable. Right. And I think that's good over a career. Like, don't get carried away with people like – Phil Collins or hit makers or whatever. And he had a career before he started having hits too. Like mm -hmm. people knew him before we knew him. You know what I mean? He had been on the road for a while. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, he's not a mega star. No. I mean, and remember, he had a sort of second, like a rebirth when MTV came around. Yeah. You no, know, he had Shaken and um, uh, Does It Take Me Home Tonight? Mm -hmm. Which is uh, which is a ripoff on "Be My Little Baby" because he had, but he had, but he had Ronnie Spector. He had her in the song, and right. so it wasn't really a ripoff. Yeah. So well, there. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, again, he's not a megastar, and uh, we're not pretending that he is. But you know, he's a notable musician. Um, and you know, by the way, his real name was Eddie Mahoney. So he changed it to Eddie money, which is a good, a good hook. Now the other one, and I, you know, last night I was writing an article and, uh, just then after getting it done, sort of scanned through, uh, Twitter and saw that Rick Ocasek passed away and wasn't it just this past year, Russ, that the cars were, uh, inducted into the rock yeah. and roll fame. So, yeah. you know, good timing there that they got, got it in, but, yeah. um, have to say, like, I was not a monster, monster Cars fan, but I liked them a lot. They, you know, enough to buy their greatest hits, and they had a number of good hits. Um, and, you know, a, a a fairly important band in the in the mid mid to late 70s. But, Russ, I was taken aback by what you said about I didn't realize he was 75 years old. Me neither. Yeah. Obviously, he, he had been around for a while before we knew him. I'll tell you what, growing up on the island – um, and you forget that they technically are a 70s band because they, they their first oh, album. they totally are. Yeah. yeah. But late 70s. And new, new Wave. I'd say New Wave. You yeah. Put them in. Put them in. The, um, the Candio album was massive in my area. And I remember having it on cassette. And, you know, the Let's Go song was completely different, really, from anything you had heard now. Right. I know that there were detractors at the time because they were thinking it was a little too poppy. But it was an interesting sound for me. And and that was what Rick Ocasek was all about. He he had sort of like he had sort of like haunting sort of vocals and and a different sound on guitar. And that band was a good band. Like they weren't fantastic, right? I mean, at, at Live Aid, they were really good, but you could tell that they had some studio help back in those days yeah. and that enhanced their sound, but they still were good live. The the interesting thing about Ocasek is that people forget is that when the cars kind of stopped for a while, I remember they sent me a, a solo album of his. I have it somewhere. And it was good. I thought the material was really good because he was really the force behind it. 
and and even their band was really good. I remember even John Anderson worked with Elliot Easton. They actually had a song together. So the cars were pretty influential. People just, I guess, have this weird look about them. Some do about their pop history, but they're a rock band. They are. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you know, you being in the music industry, you know, I'll get your point of view on this. I mean, they they were sort of like I said, they were part of the new wave. I don't know, but somebody in the, in the in the chat was saying there was a little punk influence there. I'm not sure. I mean, that may be going a little far because they really went to sort of a pop MTV um, type of music late in the '80s. You know, Drive was a it was a big monster hit with, with Ben Orr singing, um, and a couple of their later hits were very very poppy. But a good band, and I have to say, one of my most one of my highlight moments of my youth. And you'll probably know where I'm going here. Oh no! I, I hope we're not going where I think oh, you're no. going. Was the song "Moving in Stereo"? Oh, okay. And Phoebe Cates in the movie "Fast Times at Ridgemont yeah. High." It was almost as much the song because it was such a really cool sounding song as it was, you know, a 17 year old Phoebe. Now, I would have just let's just time. leave it there. This yes. is a family rated podcast. <laughs> no, no, but I would have just. I didn't even go there. No, that song was just cool, Eck, because. In your car stereo, it when moving in stereo, kind of switched the speakers, and not a lot of bands did that. That's what yeah. I liked about it. It separated yeah. your speakers. Yeah, I, mean, I I never was a huge huge fan of theirs, but um, you know, I obviously appreciate what they what they did, and um, I the funny thing remembering them back into like the late seventies, early eighties. I do really remember them actually starting off more of like an artsy type band. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like among, especially, especially because I hung out with a lot of artists um, who ended up going to like, you know, more school of art in Philly or, you know, and uh, just a group of friends of mine who I hung out with, they were huge Cars fans. Mm -hmm. um, but they were, you know, this is when we were like 13, 14 years old, you know, just like this was, which which would have been right around 80, 81, 82, somewhere in there. And uh, yeah, they, they were really into them. And then, then they definitely, like, they shunned them kind of when they turned poppy and there was a right. whole world there but people forget a lot of those bands that that did turn pop in the mtv era like the cars did you know definitely were not didn't all start off that way for sure and uh they were definitely a little bit more not edgy but more artsy i think is the right word to use yeah no and and you know and but the the funny thing is and i i can't remember where i read it but there was an article um uh recently that talked about the fact that you know, within the next 10 years, most of the rock gods are going to die. And yeah. then, and unfortunately, you know, I mean, that's a sort of macabre subject, but I mean, look at it, you know, like most of them, I mean, I went to go see Steve Hackett on Thursday, uh, the guitar player for Genesis, and he's not like Pete Townsend or a rock god, but he was a, a, a significant member of a, of a great band. And he's 69 years old and he's still great. But yeah. Rick Ocasek is 75. Yeah. Daltrey and Townsend are in their 70s. McCartney's in his mid to late 70s. All of these guys are in their, you know, six oh, yeah. late 60s and 70s, and they lived hard lives. So, you know, it's yeah. something. Well, Paul, Paul lived two lives. What's that? Except for Paul McCartney, he lived two lives. Yeah, no, that's true. I am the walrus. <laughs> it's funny how you have, like, you know, they were even old for us. You know, like, they were, I mean, they were before art. Like, the bands that came out in the yeah. 60s. You know, like we we were barely alive in the in the '60s. Some of us weren't right. even alive in the '60s. Um, so you know, that, was, that was even you know that that theory they were old for us. It's funny how I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, you know, they find that the group of musicians, the the group of bands that you don't really know very well, are the group that the people that are ten years old, ten years younger than you, know really well, but not like so you know you know like a group that maybe is around now that you're into. And then there's this one like group like for me, it's like that. Um, Jimmy Eat World type mm -hmm. part of music of music world that I just you know that like for example like Ty Anderson would just be all over right but he's like you know that's just, just a little bit like ten to you know fifteen years younger than us Ty's probably even more than that but I'll, I'll tell you what's keeping rock alive though Eric. what's keeping yeah. rock alive are the indie bands the older metal bands and the older punk bands like as an example I just bought tickets for that Hella Mega tour yeah. for Green Day Fall Out Boy. And Weezer, and when I saw that they were getting together, my first thought was, "That's like Monsters of Rock kind of tour," and that's exactly what Billy Joel was pushing yeah. when he put it together. And as long as those things keep happening, rock won't die. 
So no, you know, but, thinking about that, the best thing to ever happen to rock and classic rock is one, that bubble has the listening de demographic audience. As it ages, it's all moving in sync with each other, right? Mm -hmm. But the other thing that's really interesting about it is casinos. Casinos yeah, are single-handedly kept the ability for these guys to go out, make a decent living, tour, yeah. cover costs, and still play music. Without Good the point. casino circuit, we aren't seeing 50% of these acts. Yeah, well, it's it's weird. And last thing on this, it's weird because on Saturday, I was debating whether to go up to Toronto to see King Crimson on their 50th anniversary tour and looked at the lineup. And Russ, I think we talked about this. And other than Tony Levin, who's a phenomenal bass player, and Fripp, there's none of the original lineup. So it's really a bunch of guys from the last five or six years. Three drummers. Three. And, and three drummers to make up for one Bill Bruford. They have, uh, they, they and, were never. They were they they are they should just be called the Robert Fripp Project, though, that band. Right, That's right, like, right. They, they really aren't anything beyond Robert Fripp, you know. And then Tony Levin's probably the only other Right. And and I know I was gonna say I, I was gonna say it's like okay. I, I was going to go for the pure reason of at least I can say I saw King Crimson, but I can't say that I would have because it wasn't King Crimson. But they were playing at the Budweiser stage up in Toronto, which used to be called Molson Amphitheater, right along Lake Ontario, which is like a 15,000-seat venue with a lawn. And there were tickets going for 6 bucks. Yeah, that's, that's, that's way over shooting their world right oh, now. Right. And, you were, and you're right, Peter. They, sh they should be playing casinos with – Three or four thousand seat venues. Yeah. Those guys get embarrassed to play casinos, though. You know, I mean, they oh, yeah. you got to get to that point. There's a really interesting article about five years ago with Mike Reno from mm. Loverboy, <laughs> Vancouver band, but he lives in Palm Springs and he does this thing. He says it's the best thing ever. He goes, the fans who come and see us love us. He goes, look where I'm living. He goes, I'm doing all right doing this. He goes, I maybe have to work a hundred days a year, and. I, I, I've got no complaints. He goes, it's a great situation. And yeah, you may have to okay, eat a little bit of ego. Where are they going? I mean, let's. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, wherever wherever he's playing, it's got to be a big stage, Peter. Because I'm not seeing Loverboy. I mean, that's in the summer. I mean, it, it's they're the perfect I mean, thing. It's like I attack Peter's sensibilities now. You're, you're attacking a hometown Vancouver band. I know. Yeah, you I know. Don't, I, you I, don't want to turn me loose. No, I, I, I said Mike Reno has gotten so big that he should be called Mike Vegas. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, this. I mean, this this summer, you know, we're the perfect time, like, you know, target audience for these things because we our vacation places down, you know, just five miles from Atlantic City. My wife and I were like sitting, we were sitting on the beach or whatever, and there, you know, a plane will fly by carrying a big thing saying, "Yes, Asia tonight at the, uh, you know, at the at the, <laughs> the you know the Borgata Casino or whatever." And we're off, you know, we're off to it. It's just like that. We're like, and you go and you go, and it is a lot of people. It, it it is it does have its limit. Like you know, I think there's a limit. Like I can't see. I couldn't take yes the whole thing of it. Like I couldn't do it. It was too. They did play too long and stuff like that. Just for what you're looking for in that kind of situation. But you know, it's still. I mean, it is. It is a great. It is great to have those bands still playing. You know, and it is amazing. Some of them are. Some of them are still very good. There's a big difference, though. There's a big difference. When a guy gets over his seventies, there's some people who can still play, and there's some people who still who can't. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you, the Anderson Raven Wakeman is really the one you would be able to hear the whole time. Eck, it's a completely different sound. Yeah, and, yeah, and you, you you have. To you have to you have to accept that the fact that you know some of these artists are you know either the bands have broken up or some of them are gone, um, that you're not going to see the original lineups. It's like I I had a phenomenal time seeing ha Steve Hackett uh, last Thursday, but the lead singer of his band is the same guy who who sang the song Cotton Eye Joe. So it's not it's not, it's not exactly like you saw Gabriel. So and you have to accept that. Wow. Although I would pay money to see Gabriel sing Cotton Eye Joe. Because <laughs> you know what? That would that would be like a ridiculously weird rendition. Yeah, yeah he just he's poured out a lot of violin. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Oh, okay. God, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that Wait, we gotta get We got to get out of this. We're going yeah, to please. Hole. We're, we're in a vortex of crap. Here we go. All right. What is today? Is it 16th? <clears throat> I'm going to do the best I can. I uh, <laughs> am feeling a lot better, guys. Thanks. But. I, this was like the worst flu I've ever had in my life. It really, literally, and it, I, I feel like such a freaking complainer, but when I can tell you that my wife didn't leave the house for 190 hours. Oh, my God. And she never gets sick. That's how right <laughs> I was the one who was like, at the end of the day, it was like, you know, 
I'm the only one who's less likely to kill the kids. So I was like still driving the kids around, <laughs> but it was like, it was, Oh my God. <clears throat> so I, but now it's in my voice. Now it's in my throat, but I, I my fever is, is thankfully gone. Oh, good. All right, here we go. Ready? <laughs> Hello, hockey world. It's Monday, September 16th, 2019. I'm Michael Jello and the Buffalo bills are two and oh. <laughs> I'm Press Cullen from Sportsology. And I'm Peter Tessier in mild Vancouver. <laughs> and I'm Macklin, you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday. At this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. Now with a lot less Mitch Marner talk. <laughs> um, not yet. Not yet. Well, not after, today, after today. Um, a lot less Mitch Marner talk. Yes. Um, but we do have to start there because yeah. that is the biggest news that happened since we saw you guys. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess we all have opinions. I guess we should go to our go to our Maple Leafs writer to start this off. Um, Mike, what do you think? Well, um, I the victory for the Leafs is that they got Marner signed long term. They got him signed for less than Austin Matthews and less than John Tavares, which I think was necessary for Kyle Dubas because again, Tavares and Marat Matthews are centers, and Marner is a winger, but. In giving him a $10.893 million AAV for six years, you've made him the second highest paid winger in the NHL, ahead of Patrick Kane, ahead of Mark Stone, ahead of MVP Nikita Kucherov, and only behind Artemi Panarin, who was on a, who was a UFA this year. Needless to say, I'm sure five or six general managers right now would like to take out Kyle Dubas and beat him over the head because of this contract. But the Leafs don't care because they have their, their own internal cap uh, calculations, and you know they were taken to the wall by Darren Ferris. And in the end, I think they made the best deal that they possibly could. But you can't ignore the fact that you have four forwards right now in Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and Nealander that you're paying over 50% of the salary cap to. And I, I um, basically what's going to happen, they're, they're praying right now that the cap goes up in the next couple of years. It probably won't go up it next will. year, but it, will, it probably will go up significantly in two years. It will. That they are going to be able to bring up some of their young players on entry-level contracts that will alleviate some of the cap crunch. Yeah. Um, They'll dip into European free agency and all these things to, you know, college free agency to bring in talent. Uh, they'll have to draft better and develop better, which I think they've been doing the last few years. But it really puts it puts a crunch on them in the sense that this is it. You know, there is going to be no trading at the deadline. There, you know, this there is not going to be any hot stove regarding Toronto because they simply don't have the room. They used up all their room. They they traded for David Clarkson to give them enough space to to fit um, the the four contracts, putting uh, Horton and Clarkson uh, under LTIR. And yep. next year, with three unrestricted free agent defensemen, at most they're going to be able to sign one, probably not two, which means Tyson Berry is a one year rental. And if you want to open up more space, then you're going to probably have to trade a guy like either Kapanen or Nylander, and that will be the discussion going forward on what they have to do. But the, the only thing, and I want to get Peter and, and Russ's thought on this, the only thing that I'm concerned about, because, I mean, these guys are in the prime of their career or just entering their prime, they're all great players, is that you remember back in after they won their cup, after the, uh, after the lockout, the missed year, Tampa Bay, and I think I don't remember the exact percentage, but they had Lacavier, Richards, San Louis, and Dan Boyle occupying something like 50% of their yeah. or pretty close. And they could not so put, put a team around them um, to provide enough of a support structure. And then uh, I think Hobby Bullen got hurt. So they, you know, there was nothing, not, not enough around them to make them competitive. Now the Leafs have signed a lot of players locked up Kerfoot, Kapanen, Janssen. They've got that core there for at least a couple years. That's the difference. But I'm still concerned about you putting so much percentage of the cap on three or four players, which they are now uh, in that in that position. Yeah, I've got two quickie things. So the first one is I think they have maxed out what Mitch Marner's worth is because he's not getting 94 points every year. I don't believe that will happen every year. So that's one thing. Although if he averages around 85, it'll be worth it. I think that's what he has to sort of average around to really be the second best 
winger in the league, to be honest, because right now Kane is ahead of him and Kucherov is ahead of him. Only based on years of work, not because of ability. The other the other thing is Ferris needs to just cool it, man. I mean, yeah, I want to throw I want to throw my chest. Yeah, I was gonna wait until we went around. I know, but I, I can't like it's just I have to start it because it's just and Peter's gonna go soon, so he may want to say something. The point is you don't need to leak out that at least two teams had offer sheets because the whole world knew that Mitch Marner would never sign an offer sheet. Exactly. So it's a moot point. If you're trying to make your guy look good now, I don't think you did that. I think all you did was try to bring attention to yourself, and I think it looks bad. It's a bad look. Go ahead, Peter. You know, when things have been so played out in the media, um, believed to be contentious at times, and I haven't read the um, nine articles on the front page of TSN's website about this. I've just sort of been skimming some things. Um, I think Mitch Marner, from what I've seen, has sort of maybe played down the level of contentiousness that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you come out of a deal like this, the last thing you probably need to do is start talking about some of the inner workings on what your tactics or strategy are addressing stuff. Right. All Darren Ferris had to say was, there was there was talk of offer sheets. We looked at it as 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 part of our general tactics and and due diligence in doing what's best for Mitch. Right. That's all you had to say. Yeah. But if I'm a person going in to another contract dispute to contract negotiation with Darren Ferris, I'm going to proceed really cautiously because I don't know if you can trust that he will keep what should be confidential, what should be done in good faith, silent later on. And I, what I also don't know is what's he telling other people? If he's willing to do that, what's he saying privately? Yeah, that's where my concern would be. Go, go ahead. I had one. Well, just before you go back, one thing I wanted to say was is <laughs> after I saw the number and all the back and forth that we went through for a summer, every Maple Leafs fan and Torontonian owes the rest of the world an apology for the BS we went through this summer because that was just to arrive at that which is basically where everyone said it was going to be. Voila, look at that. And, and right. But you also have to blame Ferris for that too, and maybe Marner for a bit, yeah. because according to the reports, the Leafs offered him the Tavares deal as recently as when we were in Vancouver for the draft. Okay. Seven years, $77 million, $11 million per. Right. They didn't want to go seven years, and that's why you know they were shooting for that three-year deal, and only – uh, last late last week, when Marner and had a face to face with with Dubis, did it get to the point of well, I want to be here for six years? But go ahead, Eck. I want to talk about Ferris after you make your comment. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, first off, on the deal, I think it's I think it's <clears throat> crazy, but I think it's a it's a, it's a, it's a circumstantial situation that they had that that Dubis had very little choice in. Um, obviously, the Nylander. I mean, the difference between, you know, Line A and Rantanen and the and Point is the fact that those teams didn't have Nylander last year. You know, like, that's why they haven't been signed. Because the, the situation with Nylander last year, missing so much time, really cost the put Dubas in a situation where if that happened again, he would have looked really, really bad, and he would have gone through the exact same thing again, which obviously affected the Leafs last year. You know, to to a point. I mean, maybe they get a different. Maybe if you know, maybe they get maybe they get a better playoff seat or something like that. Maybe they avoid the Bruins in the first round, but <clears throat> not likely. <laughs> so, well, they they would have so, um, had home ice advantage probably. Yeah, <clears throat> right. Maybe they get home ice. Um, but I think the thing that really gets to me is, you know, he's he's worth whatever he can get. You know, like if Marner can get this, he can get this. It's fine. You know, he's a he's a really solid, great forward he's among the top 10 wingers in the league but i'm like, gonna say he's in the top three like he is like those people saying in top five i need to see more than just one year to say he's top 10 i mean kucherov is so far ahead of him in my mind um, and patrick kane might be right about even with him right now because kane sort of has slowed down a little bit but there's other forwards coming too you know so it's a really it's a, it's a tricky one to rank but i think that the ferris stuff is ridiculous on many levels and i also think you know, that there've been some calculated leaks out there, you know, saying, okay, the two teams that off made the offer sheets were Minnesota and Columbus. Um, it wasn't Minnesota. I checked in on that. Um, and I don't believe it was Columbus. I really don't. No, well, I, I, I 
Uh, and I know you have connections with Columbus, but it's it had been reported over over the reported, yeah, I know, but by, by Aaron Port's line by Elliot Friedman, and it does make sense in the sense that now they mean let's, uh, let's talk about what an actual offer sheet is, okay? Because well, the because the, the I mean I know Port's line says that Columbus consider, and I think right. Columbus would consider this, but let's talk about the difference between you know he was actually being like here is an offer sheet to you. No, 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 no. The, nobody, nobody is saying that. But what they're saying, what they're saying is they just the, there was the discussion of parameters, and the 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 report was from Portsline and Elliot Friedman that they wanted to uh, per, uh, uh, present an offer sheet for seven years, and that Marner's camp would not agree to it because they wanted deals that were shorter. So if the, yeah. but and that's that's the problem here. Like we don't, don't find really, any of this stuff. I mean, guys, this is just Mike. This is just it's just it. First of all, it's pointless. But but beyond pointless, it is just absolutely, it's a spin machine. Like right now, and I just don't I don't buy any of this. Like I think that, I mean, at the end of the day, there were other teams too that 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 talked to them about, you know, about possibly putting an offer sheet together. And, and like Russ said, he wasn't going to sign anywhere else. So and that's the problem I have with it. Is it, yes, it's pointless, but. This is being Darren Ferris didn't do this by oh by the way, um you know like in some interview he did it on TSN radio this morning with everybody listening and he did and he did it for one reason he wanted to bolster the uh, the appearance that Mitch Marner was not was never going to leave Toronto but we've known that that's why this whole thing was a farce. I mean, ask yourself this question: Would Craig Leopold going through what he was going through with Paul Fenton have allowed this to happen? I mean. Yeah, is Paul Fenton going to sign off? And plus, Minnesota didn't have the room. They Minnesota doesn't make any sense. Columbus, if they made any sense, I don't buy this seven-year deal thing. If they made any sense at all, Columbus would have been like one of those teams that tried for like the really short, high deals. You know who would have made, you know made sense? Philadelphia would have made sense because they had a ton of cap space in July. Well, the Flyers wanted to, um, and they talked about it a ton, but you know, but they didn't do it either. And, and I mean, and to the point where you know there were people. I remember just last year at the uh, outdoor game with the Penguins, people telling me that I really trust the Flyers organization that they were going to make an offer sheet for Mitch Marner, and and I, I said, "Geez, I don't, I don't think that makes it's any really sense." Really not style, though. I, I think the closest team that may have been in there was the was the Islanders, to be honest. And I think that that's the one that's the one team that if there's if there was a team that was actually getting somewhere and trying to make this offer sheet, I think it was the Islanders, and I think that Lou believed he could possibly convince Marner to come there. Go ahead. But, but uh, no, I was, yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And 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 like you said, let's let's stop with this spin machine stuff. Let's like you know, this Ferris is really killing himself here because teams aren't going to want to deal with him. And you know, although you know, at the end of the day, he got he got players are still going to hire him because he got he got almost eleven million dollars from Mitch Marner. You know, like right. that's a hell of a deal. I mean, he's a good player, and but like you said, like four players half the yeah, time. It, it it has it has been reported, and this is and this is the thing. You know that Ferris was using this whole thing as a as a attention getting maneuver when it's been reported. He took he got Marner uh, as a client uh, because he took a less percentage than other agents. So he this was a this was a big thing for him. It was a big splash move. No. And, and that, you know, that's not, that's not uncommon either. You know that, that right. I'm not saying, but 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 Ak, he's using this for all that it's worth. I yeah. mean, he's drumming up business by the by this deal because honestly, the last couple of deals and we talked about them before. Athena CU and Josh Anderson, he was embarrassed because he had had them hold out for most of training camp or early into the regular season, and he got nothing for yeah. them. Yeah, nothing. All right, let's move on. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, like you say, they only have a, they have a goalie. <clears throat> don't have a real backup goalie on that team yet. They don't have a. Uh, you know, they 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 have def they have defense this year. This year is a big window for them because they've got all these guys. Yeah. Uh, next year it changes big time for Toronto. So the, the pressure is big big time on the Leafs right now to make this happen. And they might. I mean, they're going to be pressure big. every year for them. Yes. I know, but this year they definitely have a window that's going to be different next year. Well, they have a window of two. They have a window of three years right now with Riley under contract, Frederick Anderson for two, all their all their forwards. And you know it's the defense again. As I, you know, somebody said, "What's my fascination with trading William Nylander?" Well, I think this team needs defense to win a championship. And honestly, they're not trading Tavares. They're not trading Marner. They're not trading Matthews. Who's the next highest paid forward? And who would they have to clear out salary wise to to re-sign Barry or to re-sign Muzzin? It probably is 
<laughs> is William Nylander. But we're not going to worry about that now. That's next summer. He better play a hell of a lot better this year. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if he doesn't that's play a hell of a lot better this year, there's no way in the world. Well, well the Leafs are hoping he plays better because if that's <laughs> their goal, they need him to be – Oh, they need him to play better for every reason possible, of course, but right. more than anything to, to, to help him this year. But, yeah, he's got to be – he's got to really turn around this year. Uh, let's move on to Patrick Line while we have Peter for a minute here. Um, the Patrick Line situation, which I was told actually over the weekend was getting pretty close to a bridge deal, um, is now uh, again <laughs> kind of in shambles to a degree. Um, Line has arrived in Bern, Switzerland. Okay. Well, um, I've seen I've seen seen a game there before. It's a fun place to see, fun place to what play hockey and watch hockey. But that's not where Line wants to be, um, and. So now, you know, the whole concept of the three-year deal, which I thought was going to happen with Line, and I thought Line's deal would follow more along a McAvoy's type of deal um, and less along Marner's deal. Um, as right now, it, 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 the, the bridge thing is apparently done, and the Line camp is asking for at least five to six years. Peter, what do you think? Which is, which is good news, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. The problem is, is what do you value at five to six years? Yep. And that's where everything's going to become a problem. Um, I'm glad Liney's gone to do something. He's not sort of sitting around just showing up yeah. at the workout and stuff. He, he, I want him to be doing things. Kevin Chevaldeoff has two things. He's also got Kyle Connor, and one sort of affects the other. He's got $15 million in cap space. He's not going to sign each two identical contracts. They're not going to go that way. So yeah. now he's got to figure out how this balances. He's got wiggle room next year. And he can make this happen. Would someone take a would would Line A or Connor take a one year deal? A la no, I know exactly. You're shaking your head, Russ. A la what Connor Hellebuck did for a massive payday later. They've already established themselves. Hellebuck hadn't, so it's right. not going to work. Right. Um, Line A. But the, the only thing the, there's one thing I have heard. Although he's playing tonight in Edmonton, I have heard, and I was given a, a text about this yesterday, that there is some smoke around Brian Little. But Brian Little has an NTC, um, and it gets easier next summer. But that would be the one you could move that would make all the room happen. And that is sort of – it came from someone who's been – he was bang on last year about um, Morrissey. Yeah. Well, it makes stuff. sense. We did it talk makes sense, but you'd have to get Little to agree. Right. Is anyway. he somebody that the Jets can afford to lose now? Yeah, I think they can. I, I mean, if, if Roslevic can move up into a Roslevic is not, uh, he's not a, a second line center at the NHL. Not so second line, no. No, he's not second. The guy you could move up is um, Perot, although he doesn't like center, he prefers wing, but you could right. move up Cop or Lowry because right. the, the line that didn't exist anymore because Tanev was gone was that trio, Collar, Lop, and Lowry, Cop, and Tanev. Now you've got two guys who can play center, and Andrew Cobb can play center quite competently. And he may not have the pedigree of Little. He may not be a true goal scorer in the way Little was in junior coming in, but he can distribute the puck and he can go in and retrieve the puck, which yeah. is huge when you're playing with a guy like Line A and Ehlers. Huge. Yeah. So, yeah. And the benefit for like if, if one of them will take a one year deal is that Kulikov's deal, which is, is four point four point three, expires after this year. Yeah. So that opens up the space. I just looked at they're 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 yeah. fifty nine point five million uh, next year uh, with thirteen players under contract. If the cap goes up, that gives you twenty three twenty four million in cap space. Yeah. Right. So the other thing too is right now there's no Dustin Bufflin on the roster. Mm. Yeah, um, there's a lot of speculation on this. Uh, some some stuff is really dumb, um, but basically, Paul Maurice came out and said yesterday or the day before, uh, nothing sinister. And then yesterday, he said, "I'm not talking about this till the next press release comes out. Then you'll have something to talk about." Like he just squashed it, which is good. The rumor going around, I think, is not awful or anything to talk about. Is that he may have just came back. He and said, got in, did a couple skates, and his head might not be right about, it might be that time, and, and you guys know this, you get back in, <clears throat> run your workouts, but you haven't really been skating, you start in, and you're like, I don't know, you question it, right? Mm -hmm. And you might be taking some time to think about retirement. And he's also the off-season guy that 
isn't the hardest trainer either. Let's yeah, be real. Russ, what he also didn't do was play one game in, in the beauty league this year either, right. which is he's done the last two years. So that's, that's the speculation guess, okay. but, but there you go. Well, it could be on a family body. thing. We don't know. It could be a family thing. We hope everything. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. like anything incredibly sinister. I mean, the yeah. first thought that came to my mind was like, okay, send him away to like you know seriously train with somebody for a week or so yeah. because mm-hmm. they need to get him into shape. You know that. Yeah, you need you need your one on one time. Yeah, and that that might be the case. You know, we don't know. The NHL is really good about um, people who have drug stuff and all that stuff. Yeah. And stuff. And I don't think there's any of that's happening here. Although the NHL is really good about keeping that stuff quiet when it does happen. It does happen a lot more than. Yeah. Before. And apparently they're really good about not suspending people for, for when uh, they do cash which, which <laughs> sorry, just had to bring up for a second. Suspending of Guinness Kuznetsov for three games is pathetic. Absolutely. And I'm going to log off. Okay. Mike, they're circumventing the CBA in a way. So they couldn't make it a long suspension because they knew that the PA would fight it. Right. And Kuznetsov wouldn't agree to it, but at least they're able to do something. But you know how you know how impotent they look when a guy gets suspended by the IIHF, which isn't exactly the patron saint of uh, of professional uh, organizations. When they when they get they suspend him for four years, well, and, the, and the NHL the NHL suspended him for three games. I know, but they have different rules. I mean, like the the fact of the matter is, the NHL. <clears throat> Punishes performance-enhancing drugs in a big way, you know. But they right. don't. But non. But you know, recreational drugs, they they've always treated differently, and that's just the way the NHL has been. And and you know, you can change that in the CBA for sure, and maybe they will. Um, but if anything, that could that could change in different kinds of ways because of legalized marijuana in Canada and all kinds of things like that. That I think you could see big changes in the CBA as to how drug stuffs in general is handled. But as of what they have right now, you know, um, talking to people like Bill Daly, this is really the only option that they had, which is like. They have like almost like an appearance of evil clause in the NHL where they can say, okay, you know, you did something that's wrong and we can, they can suspend you for that, but not much more than like three games. You know, that's right. Cause it just looks bad for the league. And honestly, <clears throat> I'll be honest. The caps didn't do anything. No, no. And that's the other thing. The caps have a lot more leeway than the NHL does. Actually. The caps could have done something. They did nothing. Yeah, that's for sure. And that, that's, a, that's an issue, you know, that, um, and I don't know. I won't, you hope the guy gets, gets some help. Yeah, that's yeah. the ultimate hope. You know, that's really what I'd like to see happen here. Now, we should talk about what I mean. Today is a big. What's that? No, I said tick, tick, tick. Oh, today, today is a big day. Yeah, no, it's a big day for the CBA negotiations, um, for sure. And Did I not say at least correctly that they were going to draw this out to the last minute of the last hour because technically it ran out yesterday, but because it's not a business day, it's right. bleeding over until today. But Eck, I told you. This was going to go to the last possible minute. Well, let's also remember <laughs> the fun of deadlines and the NHL and the NHLPA. Yeah. Like, this is the, the 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 actual reality that that barely exists at all. Okay, so there's there's barely any any deadline really with the NHL and the NHLPA when it comes to. I mean, you could sit there and say that this is what the all they have to do is sit there and if they're talking around the table and saying things are going well. We'll give you guys till Wednesday. We'll give you it's Thursday. It doesn't really much matter. I don't think they'll do that this time, though. <clears throat> I don't think they will either. But I think that giving them till today is not a big deal. Um, well, they have I, been talking. They have been trying to get things. I've heard everything from the fact that they're getting close to a, to a long term deal, which would really like be great for them because then they would have a chance to actually announce a big deal together that would really enhance their ability to get their next television contract. You I've know, heard, that all sounds great, Eck. But yeah. we all have scars from the last. Oh, of course, time. no. There's no reason to so, not think that the my brain will not go along with that. The sky is falling down with these two people too, because I agree with you. I mean, we've been we've lived through too much. Well, um, some, something Bob McKenzie said uh, um, on the radio uh, a yeah. couple hours ago is is the scenario that I sort of thought of. Like you got the players and the players association negotiating right now with this deadline. If all of a sudden the players just say we're not opting out. What what motivate? I mean, there's motivation there, obviously, about the new TV contract. But what motivation does the does the league have when now they have two more years to work with it? It's like they could basically say, "Oh, okay, there's no impetus here. Uh, We'll see you in a couple years." They could do that. It's more than that, though, Mike. I think they're doing that because they know a TV deal is coming and the gambling revenue is coming, so they don't want to rock the boat on that. 
Now the, the players NHL, they feel like they have some power because of those things. They they feel like they have they feel like they can push this. A well, because again, they've made the players more money just by signing those deals. Like they have. Yeah, yeah. No, that's for sure. That's a reality. That's not inside. <clears throat> that is a reality. So they feel good about it to the point where it's like, look, this is what's coming. Why not go three years and see how it goes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. You know, and I, I know they've been talking about ways of getting around the escrow and stuff like that. I think they wanted they would like to get some kind of like solution to a, at least one of their problems. Yeah, you know what the solution is a flat cap. You guys want a flat cap? No, no problem. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> they don't want that either. No, I know, and, and there's no, there's no. The escrow really is not an easy fix because of the way they because of the way this is set up, um, right. year to year to year, and it's really not a big deal either. The players that the players make the escrow into such a giant thing, it's not. It really isn't most of the time. I mean, I think they've gotten it back every year, but once where they didn't get all of it back, but most of it back. So it's really not like something they should be sitting back and like, uh, you know, freaking out about. But um, yeah, um, so it's a, if, it's like, but what Bob McKenzie said was that the NHLPA announces today it's waiving this right to reopen the CBA. Um, we are guaranteed three years of labor peace. Um, right. Basically, so it wouldn't expire. Um, the CBA would, it would not expire until September of 2022. <laughs> <clears throat> so that gives us three seasons. Um, but, um, if the NHL does choose to reopen it today, it doesn't definitely mean that there will be a lockout in one year, but it certainly means it opens the door to that possibility. No, it holds, it holds the league's feet to the fire because now there's a deadline of next, next September. Right. And, that, and that's, and that's what McKenzie was saying. It's like, okay, if they, if they don't opt out, then there's three years and there's no impetus there other than what you were saying, the, the TV deal, you know, the, you know, the certain issues, but they, they, they're not, you know, they're not, uh, they're not looking at the specter of a lockout happening next year. So there there's less motivation for them to get the deal done. Now I'm sure if they see concessions, if they see negotiations going in the direction that they want it to go, then they'll keep going. But if, if all of a sudden the players ask for something completely out of the ordinary, they can say, okay, well, we got two more years. We got three more years. So we will, we'll talk to you in, uh, in June of 2022. Yeah. My, my worry is, is that, the players reopen it and everybody goes, Oh, don't worry. We're going to be negotiating throughout the year. And, you know, and then all of a sudden next year comes around and there's no urgency. We don't hear anything as we never hear anything. And then all of a sudden, like in 2020, you know, in July, we start hearing, well, you know, and that's what happens every time, every time. Yeah. Always come down to that. And it always is like this last minute thing because, Again, like these contract negotiations, there's discussion, but it's never enough to head it off at the pass. This is one chance they actually have to head it off at the pass. Yeah. And this is a rare instance where the players actually, I mean, since Donald Fear has been there, he's never really been negotiating from any position of strength at all. Right. So I can't imagine he's not going to want to take advantage of that, like in some way, shape or form, because he's always been like, you know, the players actually do have the position of strength right now a little bit. Right, you know what the one thing we're not talking about? We've talked about the players. We've talked about the owners. It's the fans we need to talk about because yeah. they're the ones that are all tweeting and, and holding their breath because they're the ones that invest in this game. They're the ones that get season tickets. There are people that have businesses built around this. Like they're the ones that are legitimately worried. Right. Uh, yeah. No, then they, and they should be. And we've never had, a lockout or anything like this in the age of social media, right? So this is going to be a completely different kind of world. <laughs> they will I don't lose think it. We would have seen Bob Goodenow tweeting. No, well, no, we wouldn't have. But what we will see is a hell of a lot more pressure because there's a lot more stuff being well, I mean, up, You know, I mean, 2012 was the age of social media, but it wasn't as pervasive as it is now. No, it definitely existed, but I mean, that in 2012, you know, like. It was twenty. It was twenty eleven that you know Bob McKenzie came up to me and said, "Would you mind telling people to follow me on Twitter?" You know. Right. So let's like remember that we we're like still like early. Right. <laughs> That's kind of ridiculous now in retrospect. Yeah. I wonder if I should ask him to do the same thing now. Um, we should talk. We should talk about uh, the some of the contracts other than Martyr that were signed. I mean, the the one that you know Provorov. I mean, act you called it. You said he was going to sign that day. He did. Yeah. That deal was. I, I think you know. When you look at Warinsky's deal, three years at five million, getting three more years of of Provorov uh, for a million seven five more, I think was 
you know, pretty good. So I think both sides should be happy. The one that I know a lot of people are pissed off about is McAvoy because again, the Bruins, they get, they get McAvoy locked up on a three-year bridge for a mil, for a hundred thousand dollars less than Warinsky, whereas some people I think probably think McAvoy is a better all-around defenseman. Warinsky's probably gift more gifted offensively. I mean, they're both really good, but they get him for they get him for less. And this, you know, he's he got the the the, the backloaded seven point three million in the in, in the third year, but Chara will be retired. Krejci will be a UFA or retired at the end of this deal. And they can pay him whatever they want at that point. It's again the Bruins, you know, they get Marshan, they get Pasternak, they get Bergeron locked up on these friendly deals. And this is a friendly deal. No, but this isn't the Bruins didn't benefit from anything other than McAvoy not having a lot of time of service in. That's the issue here. And that's where it became a thing where all of a sudden McKenzie's tweeting, like, hey, he's a 10, 12. C and I'm like, what the hell is that? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know all these different. Yeah, I mean, to further this this argument, Mike, that you're making is, you know, this was put out by um, Cap Friendly, and uh, this was a pretty pretty amazing when I saw it. That you know, Bergeron, Pasternak, Marshawn, and McAvoy are a total. We just talked about the the least salary cap situation, you know, of like forty million dollars for those four players. Um, you know, now here you're looking at those those four players: Bergeron, Pasternak, Marshawn, and McAvoy. Twenty. 4.5 million per season for the next three years. So but when you sign them, that's the key, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. at the right time. They yeah, did. you timed it right. I mean, and and they and they you know they've done it and they, they put this thing together. I, I was surprised that McAvoy didn't get more, but I think at the end of the day, McAvoy really wanted to come into camp. I really think I think he could have held out for a lot more. He could have done, but Martin really couldn't. No, I mean he really couldn't actually act because he doesn't have enough time of service. And they were like, listen. Wierenski has more games in than you. You're not getting paid more than him. And they, the McAvoy would have lost that. Like no team would have come to his aid. Nothing would have happened. That is the situation where he just, um, Mike, are you rebooting Windows 95? I just want to. <laughs> no, it's Vista. Oh, Vista. Okay. Just follow uh, what he says, Mike. But this is, but this is just the situation where McAvoy is getting, got as much as he could possibly get for the time of service he has in and the kind of player he is. Clippy says, it looks like you think Marner's deal is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. No, sorry. (laughs) I'm logging on to CompuServe. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to play God here. Click here. Um, Okay. All right. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, we still don't, so we still don't have, you know, (laughs) all that is said and done. You know, we still have Brandon Carlo they've got to deal with, which is, you know, not not a – it's a big deal because he's the top – he's one of their top four defensemen. Right. Where not for McAvoy, a much bigger deal. Yeah, but they, they, they believe that they have the room right now to sign. I mean, right now they have uh, – let's see here uh, – 3 million in cap space. They probably could get if, – if Carlo is amenable to a, to a two-year or three-year bridge – like like McAvoy, then then they probably can get him for because he's not a big offensive guy. He's more right. a defensive stay at home type. But right. you know, I'll tell you the guy right now, Eck, in yeah. the entire league, he's not deserving of the highest salary, but he is going to face the most criticism, and that's Travis Konechny, and he's already starting to face. Yeah, we got to talk about that because yeah, that so Travis Konechny is not in Philadelphia, and I will tell you why I think that is. <laughs> Because I think I think you know a little while ago, remember there was some stuff that was leaking out that Travis Konechny's deal was almost. Cool. Um, I think that that I think that Konechny's agent realizes the kind of guy Konechny is, and he, if he's anywhere near Philadelphia, Konechny will just be a problem because he really he wants to play. I agree with that. He's biting. He's chomping at the bit. I believe his agent's telling him you're not allowed to go to the United States until we get this done because I think that basically the other stuff that happened was felt to be a little bit of like of coming from Travis Konechny. And I think the, the concept here is, okay, we are going to make sure that you don't, because Konechny just wants to, he's, he's not, this is, this is so out of his wheelhouse, this business type stuff. It is, but I'll tell you the problem that's killing him. The problem that's, look, I believe Travis Konechny wants to play yesterday, but the problem that's killing him is, and this is where some of the, even the younger writers in Philly are getting a crash course of Elaine Vigneault. Because 
you know, Elaine Vigneault basically said, hey, Nolan Patrick's here. He may be hurt, but he's learning the system. It's better than a guy not here, not yeah. learning anything. Right. And if you think about it, the part of the of Vigneault's system that is going to benefit Connecty the most is the getting the puck out when you're on the defensive side and getting it up the ice safely, which is something Connecty has trouble with. Right. This is what's going to cause the biggest rift between him and the coach because if he doesn't do that flawlessly, he's not going to be a top liner to start the season. I'm telling you. Yeah. I think that this is going to get done very quickly um, within the next. I, I mean, would have been, he doesn't, no, I know it's not done yet. I'm just saying that I, I think, know, but... you're saying, Rath, I think is very much pushing Konechny to push his agent to, to, because he realizes that this is a little bit of, you know, you got to listen to your agent, but at some point, he also is competing with, you know, Farabee and Frost, who are both going to be, you know, maybe not, maybe they're not connecting his level yet, but they're not far behind. And from what, from what I've heard, at least, you know, I know Frost is hurt, but, um, but you know, people are just loving Farabee. I, I, I talked to somebody the other day that compared Farabee to um, Paul Stastny, like in a lot of ways, like that said that that was the kind of player he thought he was and really just completely like an incredibly smart player who was able to do everything on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kind of stuff, when you start hearing comparisons, you know, like to players like that from people within the organization, it's, it's really, it really does put the pressure on Travis Konechny to get in there because, you know, well, he was slated to, or we thought at least, you know, to be a, on that first line. Well, one, one thing I'm a little surprised at is that in the wake, I mean, Marner's deal happened on Friday and we haven't really seen much of a budge in Al Connor, Kachuk, Rantanen, Besser. Um, I thought that there might be a trickle-down effect, like with Warinsky, where after Warinsky signed, Provorov got done fairly quickly. Yeah, no, there wasn't going to be because there wasn't going to be. Can I say one more thing before we switch the subject on connecting? This is a key point. Right now, we're in a log jam with a lot of preseason games. So as an example, he's not playing tonight. There's no way he's playing tomorrow on the island. Right. Two games already he's going to miss. Right. You know what I mean? And then the next one is on yeah. Thursday against the Bruin. If he's not in by tomorrow, he's not playing that game either. Right, right, right. He might not even be playing that game anyway if he's in by tomorrow. And then the next game is on Saturday against the Rangers. Right. No, they have they have to they have to get him in. You know, they really do. Like he probably has to get him by Wednesday to play right. that Saturday game. And I do think that'll happen. I do think that's basically what'll happen. But that that's that's making a bit of a you know a bit of a leap because you know I don't know that for sure. By and these things are changing minute to minute to minute. So sure. you know I don't have any way of any way of knowing that at all. But yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, as far as the Marner thing, I, I don't think anybody in the NHL looks at that deal and says that that deal makes any sense for for any of these other RFAs. Um, well, Joe, let's say this: Joe Sackick hopes it doesn't make any sense for him because. You know, I'm sure that Rantanen wants to make ten million dollars a year. Right, but like I like I said, the difference is that none of those other GMs went through what the Leafs went through last year. You know, and last year's Nylander thing makes Marner's thing makes makes that more viable for them. If that doesn't happen last year, you know, then you know we're looking at these guys. I mean, they're not. No one's going to give Rantanen. No one's going to give him close to that number. I mean, they're going to be. You know, if none, I don't think any of them are over ten million. Um, and I think that you know, and even though I think that I'm, I honestly think that some of them are as good, if not better, than Marner. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think that you know, I'd rather have Braden Point on my team than Mitch Marner, but he's not going to get that number. But then again, he's also in Florida, you know, um, which you have the tax issue, so that helps him too. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of different ways that this cuts through. Um, the interesting thing about Tampa, I don't know if you saw. Hal Duran was just like throwing all kinds of praise out for um, for Nick Schultz and, and Ryan Poling down there and saying those guys are just are ridiculous. You know? Oh, oh, Nick Suzuki, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. And, sorry, Nick Suzuki and, and Ryan Poling. And and they have they have Duran playing with Max Domi right now, so I'm sure that's that's uh, you know something that if that happens in the regular season, I don't know how much they played together last season during during the regular season, but you know if they can get that pairing going. Um, it's a big hit. I would, I would pump the brakes a little though on Suzuki in the sense that I think he needs to play in the AHL because I just worry that on the physical end of the game, you better see what he could sort of handle. I mean, Paling's a big, strong kid who, in the role he's going to play, not a problem. Like I'm telling you, there's no problem. I saw him playing a couple weeks ago 
just goofing around on the ice. And I could already, because I've watched him in college, I could already see the difference. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if he comes in and scores 20, 25 goals. Wouldn't shock me at all. Now, Suzuki has that skill, but I don't know if he's strong enough yet physically. Like, I there, right. he's a little on the thin side. Not even on the thin side, just a little bit on the weak side, I felt like, for an yeah. NHL player. doesn't matter if you're thin. you got to be – like Marner, that first year, was probably pushing the bounds of weakness, but he got past it because it was great skating. Suzuki is not Marner. Right. He's a really great player, though, but he's not Marner. That's the thing. Well, um, while while Ak guzzles his vodka and tea, we can take some questions. Uh, oh, it's keeping my voice from going completely crazy. In, in the chat. Um Dar uh, Dan D asks, since Darren Ferris is also oh, Taylor. This is a million dollar question. This is a good one, Dan. And I, I've this is a great question. How do you think that contract will go? Um, <sighs> Taylor Hall came up with some really interesting quotes the other day. Um, I actually am a huge fan of Taylor Hall as a person. Like, I think Taylor Hall is one of my favorites out there. He just is, is no BS to him. He's absolutely like, he doesn't play games. And, and what he said was really surprising surprising because he said you know i'm not we're not gonna really probably talk we, he, no he actually he actually said we could talk about it throughout the year which is also really surprising because people right. don't say that right but his big comment was you know saying i think the devils you know they deserve some more time to see what they've got in me as well that's something a player never says that's true and when you hear that you know you, you think to yourself a couple things with that you think to yourself okay is that just taylor hall being taylor hall and in a way it is but or is that or is that also Taylor Hall kind of setting things up for like okay, maybe the Devils don't really want me here and kind of like you know doing the uh, my wife calls like the the fade you know like the slow breakup mm -hmm. like this is like the real like you know my wife said when she was dating people before me of course yeah it's not you and me <laughs> she would she would she always hated bringing up people but would fade you know fade them out and this right. Taylor Hall thing feels like a bit of a fade you know like okay. Just throwing that little bit out there. Maybe, you know, maybe the Devils don't think I'm worth what I'm going to be. I think he's stalling it. I think Taylor Hall's stalling until the regular season starts, and he wants to see what this team looks like before he yeah. signs on the dotted line. That's what I think. Yeah. I think he's got every right to do that. Well, Russ, well, yeah, I, 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 I also think he's waiting not only for what the team looks like, but also if he puts up say really good numbers in the first couple months, he's not exactly dealing from a point of a, a point of late great leverage since he played what less than 30 games last year and had a, a major surgery. Yeah, so no, he, he, wants, he wants to, right. He wants to show that MVP form. That's fair. And, and, and if he does, then he can say, I want 10 million. I mean, here's a note about the devil too. So Hughes is starting tonight on center. He's playing with Gusev. It was going to be Simmons, but now Simmons is scratched. Simmons now has some sort of slight injury, but I'm telling you, this is now the story of Wayne Simmons because he yeah. is now going to be this guy that can't play 80 games. I don't even know if he can play 70 just because of the way he plays. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Dean Youngblood asks, <laughs> is uh, Nolan Patrick's health issues concussion related? He's had two officially. All right. I will tell you this. I – I asked around about this injury. Nobody thought it was a concussion. I heard other things. So nobody thought concussion. So I'm going to say I don't think that's the case. I don't think it is either from people I've talked to. But I will throw the caveat out there that concussions in Philadelphia are are something that, you know, they are always incredibly weird about. Right. So you won't hear about it if it is a concussion. No, no, but I wasn't. I, I mean, I was talking to, to writers, Zach. Yeah, and yeah. So, I, don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I don't believe it is. But the fans have a, every right to ask that question. Because and the reason I can tell you here's another reason: he is still skating. If he right, had he, skate, he, skating. he would not be skating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It is something though to Nolan Patrick to like. You do have to start asking yourself a little bit about this guy's, you know, durability. I mean, it, uh, it, not yet. Not until the regular season starts. He's got to play a lot. He's got to play like sixty-five to seventy games this year That's for me. Fine, I get it. If he doesn't. You know, um, yeah, that's an issue. Okay, uh, Thomas Smith asks, is it possible for one of the RFAs yet to be signed to be traded in a player-for-player -player deal? Yes, because you're trading his rights. You're not, yeah. trading, you know, if, if a player is unsigned, like Konechny, Konechny could be traded for a player under contract. It's just right. that team acquiring him, he's still a restricted free agent. So I think of all the guys, right, he is the most likely that that could happen because he is the lowest salary for somebody else to sort of acquire and have to sign. And I think, 
and of course I don't have any inside knowledge or anything, right. but I just get because of the way the coaches and the way the team is and how everything is off and running quickly. And everybody's been talking about that Fletcher included yeah. that if we were going to be a month down the road and let's say he wasn't signed. Right. I think they might entertain that. Yeah. I mean, the only, uh, there's 11 restricted free agents yet unsigned right now. And the only other one, I, I mean, there was talk about Julius Honka requesting to be traded, so I think he's probably in the same boat as right. as Nekny. Uh, is Anthony D'Angelo going to be traded by the Rangers or us? Uh, he'll sign a one-year deal. Right, but the most of the rest of them are either borderline guys like uh, Saku Menelainen or big stars like Kachuk or Rantanen. So, you know, those those situations it may take some time, but they're they're going to take you know they're, it's going to be. It's very un, it's it's pretty unlikely that that. It's pretty unlikely that any of these guys get moved around. I mean, I think you're going to see. But it is possible. Actually. It is no, it's definitely possible because at, at some point, you know, you could really, you could really see it. Like another guy, like um, Brandon Parlini, people aren't talking to him. him you know, he's sort of like in the same boat as Konechny. Right. Um, you know, there's there's guys out there that that you know, I could see somebody like that would be moved. You know, like that's. I'm going to give you a scenario. Yeah. Let's say you're you're Lane Vigneault. Let's say we're three preseason games in. Frost is playing now. I've seen Farabee for these games. I've also got guys like Andreoff or whatever, and I say to you, hey, I know Konechny was a top liner. If we trade him for another asset or some other player, is that going to kill your plan for this year? What do you think he would say? No, because he's not even in his plan right now. That's the problem. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's – and also, as a new coach, you know, he's got to play that hard line. Like, he can't give oh, – no. He can't give anything to, you know, we can't give any benefit to what happened last year. He can't, the no. whole idea of it is a, is a fresh start for everybody. Now, um, stuttering guitarist asks, will the injuries like Arizona last night cause players to ask for shorter preseasons? Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson got hurt. It's a day to day, according to this report that I just read. So it's not anything serious, but. I mean, that's that's the trend in the NFL right now. It was now. a dirty game last night. Did you watch any of it? I, I did not. Did. I watched the whole game. Um, it was a dirty, dirty game. Like, they actually – I was amazed. Pashnik was killing people out there, like throwing his body around. Because these guys are finally getting a chance. Pachoretti. I'm sorry. Pachoretti. I was going to say, it can't be Pachoretti. Pachoretti was throwing his body around. Well, I mean, is it a situation where – they needed to blow off steam because they'd just been itching to get back. I mean, it'll probably it happen tonight. Like, but he was like hitting some people. I mean, and you know what really, really impressive in that game is there were like six, I think four, four, maybe four defensemen from Chicago, from the Wolves that were playing for the Knights in that game. Right. And they all looked really good. Like they, oh, had, they have some good players. I their defense I, is really solid. Um, Zach Whitecloud. Whitecloud's really good. I'm telling White you. Cloud was pretty good. I'm trying to think of the guy who really impressed me the most. Um, wasn't white cloud, but it was he was good. But they they have they have definite depth there. The person that didn't I, I will say this to answer the question. I don't think that'll be the case because you only have to play like five or six regulars in a game. Right. It's uh, technically eight, but apparently that apparently you're allowed to like petition with the other teams. So the other I heard about this, which is kind of crazy. Which seems see, I always thought the eight was like okay, at least put eight out there for the fans who are paying the money to come. Right. That's yeah. all. But apparently the eight is like. We're not going to like put too many of our NHLers on, and your NHLers are. So if you if you if you're you, if you both only have like five to play, if you if you work it out with the other team, that's okay. All right, couple, right. <laughs> couple quick hitters, and then we'll end the show. Um, Mike asks, "Who scores more?" And it wasn't me. Uh, who scores more points this year, Marner or Tavares? Um, I will say Tavares. Uh, so, sorry, I'll say Marner because um, Marner will assist on almost every Tavares goal. Right. They're both on that first power play, uh, and Marner will set up other players. Not to say that Tavares is not a good playmaker because he is, but la last year uh, Marner had more had 94 points, I think, Tavares mm -hmm. in the 80s. Uh, so I think it will be Marner. I go Marner too. Ack. Only Marner because Tavares just doesn't have to really put up points to, to prove himself where Marner will. Yeah. Uh, last, uh, how many points do you think Hughes and Kako put up respectively? I said I'm, Hughes will score 60. I So I'll, I think Kako will probably be in the high 40s to low 50s. I'm going to go um, – I'm going to go 50 for Jack Hughes, and I'm going to go like 58 for Kako. Yeah, I was going to say 45 and 55 for Hughes and Kako. I think that it's going to be, you know, Hughes is definitely is going to be phenomenal. But oh, he's not, not even right away. 
to be but like I think taco early on could have a little bit of an advantage yeah yeah i think that's for sure and i think that that and, and you know taco also i think has more to work with a little bit yeah oh uh, there's, there's definitely that's definite tomorrow yeah. tomorrow we'll double up on team previews we'll do columbus and colorado tomorrow Unless we're talking about the lockout yeah, well, I mean that'll be one of the stories, but unless there's a big <laughs> if it's, if they reopen it, it will be half the show. Yes, okay, right. Yeah, it will explode. Yeah, the internet exactly. This is a situation now where Twitter will explode if that's the, and it doesn't matter. I mean, whatever the answer is, but if that's the answer, Twitter will explode. We're back, like you said, in eleven. Twitter was only a couple of years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean the NHL really doesn't want them to reopen it. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I, I think the NHL could – I thought the compromise the, – the last thing I'll say is the compromise of like, okay, I thought, thought I saw it put out there that just keep the salary cap at 81.5 for the next two years after this one so that there's no escrow is the stupidest thing the NHLPA could ever possibly do. Like, I'm afraid There's a couple of tactics here that I think they should employ. They're in Chicago, right? Is that where they're doing this? Yeah. Okay. For one thing, you should not let them order lunch. It takes too long. There's too many people. You are, and think about how much more unproductive you are the minute you get lunch in you than before you get lunch. Yeah, and Russ, if, they, if they order, if they order that deep dish, how long it takes to get a deep dish? Yeah, deep if they order that deep dish, they'll be ready for they're ready for uh, an afternoon lunch. It will kill the momentum. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree. I, this is. This is going to be. There's just that's the. What is the benefit of the NHLPA? Okay, we don't have an escrow, but we kept our salary cap at eighty-one point five. Like, who? How? In what world is that a good idea? If I'm here's the thing though, X. So let's talk about this from a PR standpoint. Is it better to put out information at five o'clock? Is it better to put out this information at nine o'clock? Five o'clock. No question asked. Um, right, because you don't want it to bleed into the game coverage, right? No, not not that. The main, the main. I mean that. Yeah, that's going to happen. But I think the main the main thing is the most people on the internet are on the internet from like 10 a.m. Eastern to like 2 p.m. Eastern. And we're supposed to be working. And you you want and when because people are screwing around at work, right? So that's when that's when the internet explodes. Like if you do it at five o'clock, I mean you'll get you know. Although with a Monday night football, there's going to be a lot of people on the internet tonight. Yeah, they're on the internet for that, but you're not gonna you're not gonna see the normal like people won't yeah. just go nuts. Like complaining how the Jets are going to lose. <laughs> All right, um, that's about all the time we have for today, guys. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.